Every Christian is a minister. I'll say that again. Every Christian is a minister. And if you're coming here, hearing that perhaps for the first time, every Christian is a minister, you might think, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't know I was going to be a minister. Um, isn't that the professional Christians that get paid to be ministers? And so we're starting a new conversation series here in the next several weeks called Every Christian is a Minister. And um, before we get into that, that's where we want to land today, is Every Christian is a Minister. I think there's a couple things that we really need to talk about first, um, and that is the ascension of Christ and uh, the Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit is given. So just to kind of orient us where we're at in the Christian calendar, uh, we've just come out of... um, Easter season, Jesus has rose from the dead, spoiler alert, and uh, he makes these post-resurrection appearances. Like, seriously, physically, he rose from the dead, and he now, not as a ghost, but physically, he starts visiting his disciples and revealing himself once again to them to assure them that he did indeed rise from the dead. It's not just this weird um, fairy tale going around. Um, But then after that, he actually ascends, he goes back to be with God the Father, and um, then fulfills his promise by sending the Holy Spirit. So right now, the Christian church globally today is celebrating what's called Pentecost, which means the giving of the Holy Spirit. And so that's what we're here doing. And so uh, to start us, I thought I would kind of start with an illustration that... um, you, you may remember um, when Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, uh, it, it, it really didn't have the, the bang or, or the start that he wanted it to have. In fact, when he invented the light bulb, um, folks were like, hey, great invention. Next, show us something different. And it was about, um, the story goes, it was about a year after the invention that he and others realized they needed to have a different marketing approach to this amazing, life-changing, world-changing event. And so there's a a parade that's planned in New York City, right down Fifth Avenue, and he got 500 of his employees all together with this huge light bulb above their heads. You probably remember this story. And literally, at the flip of a switch, all 500 of the light bulbs illuminated, and then all of a sudden, it was relevant. It became something that people could see, They could see its um, usefulness in their life. And Pentecost is very similar to that. The presence of the Holy Spirit empowering you as a believer and as a Christian is a lot like that. Don't get worried. We're not going to go out in the streets of San Francisco and all, you know, shout out Holy Spirit or something awkward together. But that's what we want to cover in in, in these moments together is the... um, the peace and the presence and the purpose of the ascension and of Pentecost. Uh, first off, you'll notice here on your worship uh, bulletin there, um, peace, when we think about peace, it's really Christ's ascension that assures us of his ongoing ministry. And if you're like me and you like to think a lot and you're more a kind of intellectual approach, you're thinking, where is Jesus right now and what is he doing? Anyone ever thought that? Thank you. Um, Where is Jesus, and what is he doing? And I love this verse that's printed here, Hebrews chapter 7, verses 22 through 25, lets us know where Christ is and what he's doing right now. I'll read it. The writer of Hebrews says, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. 
Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. I don't know if you caught it, but there it was. Um, Jesus is praying for you right now. Jesus is interceding for you at this very moment. There was an elderly person in a church that I grew up going to, and this elderly person would approach me every week and tell me, I'm praying for you. And it meant so much to me to know that someone who was godly, someone who loved God, and someone who seemed to have and did have a kind of direct communication and relationship with God was actually interceding for me, praying for me, thinking about me. And I don't know about you, but this is one of the things about being a Christian that gives me such peace, sort of as Josue was sharing moments ago, that really goes beyond my ability to understand, is that Jesus, the King of all nations, God of gods, is praying for me right now. He's interceding for me. He never gets tired of doing so. Jesus last night pulled an all-nighter, <laughs> praying for me and for you. Um, Another verse out of Hebrews that's super encouraging regarding peace and about Jesus' ascension and what he's doing. The writer says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace and peace to help us in our time of need. This is, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is exactly what Christ is doing and allowing me and you in those moments of deep stress and anxiety and uncertainty is to know the peace of God. Onward, in, um, uh, in Romans chapter 8, verse 34, the writer says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, Christ Jesus is the one who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God right now interceding for us. Where is Christ? He's seated right now at the right hand of God. He's enthroned. Trump or whoever in political office is next, or before, or whatever hero, savior you have in your mind, or I have in my mind, is not controlling the universe. Christ is seated on the throne. Christ has been exalted. Christ is king. We can't hear this enough to, to, to remind us that this is where my peace comes from. So the summary of the ascension, and by the way, have you ever thought about that we should have ascension cards we send each other Christmas cards, and where's the Ascension cards? How did this um, very unique feature and doctrine and truth of the Christian gospel sort of almost disappear? Um, the Ascension, the exaltation of Christ that he's seated, he's enthroned, he, he's in control of all things. There's a future in place for us and for this fledgling little church in first century that was wondering about its whereabouts and how far it would go and would it be even sustainable. Christ has a future in mind. So a summary of the ascension 
is essentially what the, the writer of Romans just said, that Jesus is my lawyer. Jesus is my attorney. Who is the one who can condemn me? Who is the one that can charge me for doing anything wrong? No one. Christ is my advocate. Christ is my attorney. He's my defense attorney. So when my enemy, Satan himself, wants me to feel super dirty or super that I'm not forgiven or any of those things, it's Christ who assures me as my great high priest that I've been forgiven and that he's interceding for me. Also, the ascension assures me that I have a prayer warrior. I have a prayer warrior. I want you to remember this during the week. When your week gets really hard, right around Monday, or even other times during the week, I want you to remember, because you might think, I wonder if Troy's praying for me. I hope to be. I plan to be. But I'm human. I'm a human priest and Jesus, the great high priest, won't forget to pray for you. Remember that this week. The ascension also gives us the assurance that that, that God is ruling. God is reigning. Whatever you're going through right now that really may feel so overwhelming and so debilitating, Jesus is reigning. Jesus has a plan. Jesus is not going to be caught off guard by what's going on. Next, we'll move to the word presence. And presence, we mean that the Holy Spirit's presence is what brings power and purpose and peace into our lives. Let me read the passage that's written here for us. Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore your kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The power that they were, first century Christians, were looking for was perhaps a restoration um, of this suffering and injustice that they were going through, through the Romans, And their government and all the chaos that that was bringing, they were wanting some political kingdom that would be established. In fact, that's why a lot of them were confused when Jesus came and Jesus was actually serving people. Jesus was promoting things like the last will come first and the first will be last. Give your life away for the sake of others. Invest in the lives of others. And everything they knew was about making a name for yourself pushing others down, um, promoting injustice so that you can get a leg up. And so you see in verse 6 there of Acts chapter 1, they say to Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And yet Jesus' idea of restoring the kingdom was much bigger. It wasn't necessarily political. It wasn't economical. It was his very presence with them. That was going to be the kingdom that he was going to establish inside of them and eventually through them. So the ascension and Pentecost, in summary, means God's continued ministry in us and through us. You remember Jesus on the cross uh, months ago or weeks ago, we were discussing this, where Jesus famously said on the cross, it is finished. 
it is finished. Meaning everything that you set out for me to do, O God, O Father, I have done. And the penalty for sin, which I myself, through my perfect life, have taken upon myself as a sacrificial atonement for sinners, it is finished. It is done. Jesus never said, I am finished. And that's the beauty of the ascension and the Pentecost. God is not done. Jesus is not finished with his work inside of you and through you. Verse 8, Acts chapter 1, you can read it there. It says, I, uh, sorry, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere. And in Judea and Samaria and, and throughout the ends of the earth. Um, this is where it comes to me and you. This is already, you can see where you see exactly where this is heading. And as we started, I told you we were about to end there, but everyone is a minister. God's abiding presence through the Holy Spirit who has ministered to you and continues to do so through mercy and compassion and patience is exactly our call to other people here in San Francisco. Here in your place of work, your place of hobby, your family, all the people that God has placed in your life, it's actually through you. He says, you will be my witnesses. And some of us real quickly say, I'm not good at that, or I'm not comfortable, or I'm not, and, and there's a lot of I, I, I in that. And he's saying, you will be my witnesses. It's a work that I've been doing, and it's a work that I'm going to continue to do in you. It's going to be my work that I'm going to do in you. And so his, his whole strategy, when you notice the, the, the geography that's listed there in that verse 8, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, um, he, he's attempting to scatter us. <laughs> he gathers us like this on a Sunday morning in different parts of the world where the Christian church is gathering to worship. But then as the worship service ends, he's literally scattering us. <laughs> Why? So that his very presence can go and be in all of those dark places where we reside and live and work and have our hobby. So yes, we are all ministers. I mean, the historical and geographical scattering of the gospel, the first century church began as a Jewish church centered in Jerusalem and then moved to Western Asia, becoming largely the Gentile church, the foreigners that were invited in. Already God was very certain and very specific, reminding them that being a Christian had nothing to do with your ethnicity, that he was about reaching the nations. And by A.D. approximately 600, the church had spread to northern Africa and southern Europe. The language was largely Greek, and it was centered in Rome. It's beautiful if you, if you track the spread of this good news in the gospel and the planting of God's church. And by A.D. 1000, the church was largely dispersed from northern Africa and moving into to the Middle East uh, to face surging uh, Islam. The center of church uh, was then in Europe. Uh, and then by the mid-20th century, the church declined significantly in Europe, and the center of gravity uh, now lies in Latin America. Africa and Asia. That's where the church is. It's here in America. It's here in San Francisco. But largely it's in other pockets and places of the world. 
And the reason why that's so is the very purpose and strategy of God to bring in the nations, the very presence of the Holy Spirit abiding in the lives of all of these believers, to be those witnesses. Weak? Yes, very weak witnesses. Failures at times? Most definitely. But God's purpose uh, is to take you and to take me and and to move us and to mobilize us into into those places. So lastly, purpose. You'll see that printed there, purpose. Every Christian is a minister. And I want you to look at this verse that we have printed there, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Some of you have put this verse to memory. In fact, you've memorized Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. This is no result of your own works, so that no one can boast, but is a result of God's grace. This is verses 8 and 9. Verse 10, though, says, We are God's workmanship, or handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. 